Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk about adventurers. So adventuring is what you do in D&D, but there's a lot of aspects to it that don't necessarily get enough attention. So we may, we decided to talk about it. So an adventurer is the usual term that is used for all of the player characters in Dungeons & Dragons. So you are the person who who goes on some kind of journey fighting various types of creatures to do something. So there are a lot of angles on how that can be done or what I want to honestly focus on a little bit more today on why also and some of the just less observed aspects of what is an adventurer. All right, so let's start with the more commonly used question, actually. Why adventure? Nathan? So why would anyone want to do dangerous, 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 dangerous things? First off, gold. With gold, you can do a lot of things. After that, power, fame, and running away from something. So let's talk about gold. Being an adventurer means going to places other people don't typically go to. So the bare sense of an adventurer is someone who explores the unexplored. That's one sense of the word. And that's sometimes what adventurers do. They head off to ruins, temples, such such things, abandoned places, filled with monsters but have riches that have been lost to time and that's really really big because money gets you places next up power same thing as before when you head off into these ancient locations what you have are ancient magics and ancient magics typically tend to be more powerful for whatever reason and with this adventurers can gain powers magical items um by the mere fact of adventuring most adventurers gain experience literally gain experience and level up and as for fame and as for fame adventurers gain fame by doing for example there has been a giant monster that has been threatening this town for many many years and adventurers take it out boom bang they're famous for taking out this monster that has been tormenting this town last but not least escape so this is typically what drives the adventurer to be an adventurer in the first place so whatever life they originally had wasn't something that was good and or something like that and the adventurer decides that okay i'm gonna leave this all behind and i'm going to make a new life for myself as someone who strikes out to find adventure and hence of the reason escape indeed so there are a lot of potential good reasons for why someone would want to be an adventurer because just to quantify it a little bit more so we've talked a lot in the past about how I value gold in D&D and that I see it as a gold piece is equivalent to $100. So adventuring is incredibly likely to give massive amounts of gold in comparison to the average standard of living in a D&D world. Now, the other side, though, is the danger of adventuring. A D&D world is a fucking death trap. There are things that trouble people all the way from the weakest of goblins all the way up to demon lords and evil gods. So there is constant never ending 
danger. On the bright side, that means that there's always a demand for adventures, which is why the game is set up the way it is, because there is always need for someone to be an adventurer. However, on the world building side of things, there's a few questions that, again, in my big picture biased opinion, I feel don't get asked enough. So first things first, what is the death rate of an adventurer? Because if gaining experience is as fast and easy as it usually seems to be in a D&D world, then everyone should be at least a few levels under their belt. But that isn't the case because adventurers exist to kind of focus the attention of evil on them so that there are a finite number of people dealing with the many, many issues that are out there. But exactly what that death rate is, is something that I feel is worth thinking about. So a kind of corollary to that, that I'll just mention now in a tangent, how many adventurers are there in your worlds? So thinking about just the pure world building angle again, if you have, let's say 1% of the population are current or former adventurers, then that would give you potentially thousands or more out there at varying levels of power. Um, I've mentioned here and there that just I have complete demographics with charts for my own world because that's just what I enjoy doing. But most sane people don't need to go that far with their world building. But I do think it's just worth consideration to know so if there are, let's just say, 1,000 adventurers out in the world, then across the entire world. So for the continent that the characters are on, then that would mean that there's 200 current and former adventurers on the current continent. So then that would mean that each city may have 20. So considering that adventurers tend to not actually have particularly long careers is a fact that gets overlooked a lot. So a D&D game has the levels of progression of after this much experience, you gain a level. So thinking about, okay, so that would mean then that it would take X amount of time of constant adventuring to get to level 20 means that there's a known amount of effort that it takes to get there. So with that being said, most adventurers don't get to level 20 because if there was that many level 20s in the world, then it would look very different than the standard D&D game. So thinking about all of the last few things that I've said together, that would mean then that most adventurers stop relatively quickly in their careers. So whether that means that many adv adventurers just retire and then decide, oh shit, this is fucking dangerous, or if they just earn enough money to just retire and just decide, holy shit, this is enough to start a business. I'm just going to settle down and start a family. Or if they die is a question that all DMs, I would argue, should at least think somewhat about. Because if there is a known ratio of successful to active to retired to dead adventurers, well, that's just a kind of interesting detail that would shape how adventurers get viewed in the world and how the career itself is viewed in the world. And another angle to that potentially would be injury. Injury mechanics are another thing that is massively underutilized in D&D. And honestly, that's another one uh, that I'm going to add to our list because we should talk about that at some point. 
But injury is a thing that exists in D&D and is rather difficult to fix magically to a point. So a lot of low-ish leveled adventurers, if they were to lose a hand or lose a leg to some creature or trap or whatever, then regenerate is rather expensive. So if an individual was not able to afford that, then they would likely either A, keep adventuring with their disadvantage and hope to earn enough money before they die, or B, decide... I lost a fucking hand. I am done with this shit. So thinking about all of these things helps shape kind of the tone of the world in terms of adventurers. So that would then lead to how do adventurers get treated in the world? So from my perspective, right, the way adventurers can be treated is typically bound to what they are known for. So certain adventurers clearly will be known for doing great, great things like saving people. But equally, adventurers will be known for killing a lot of people for absolutely no reason, because surely there are murder hobos out in your world. So it really depends on the setting and what percentage of adventurers do such things. But at the end of the day, there's a big question of whether certain phenomenon happen around adventurers. Because typically in a story of any sort, adventurers tend to have a sort of bad things happen around them for plot. But the world doesn't know its plot. But it would be interesting if the world did realize that adventurers tend to have terrible things happen to them and one way that this could be realized is that adventurers could be seen as these people who walk like basically people who walk above the common people but think of it as candles that burn bright and then snuff out so as many adventurers as they come about they will vanish and then you will never see them again never hear of them again as often as adventurers that you suddenly come to prominence stay in prominence and then become these people in this world that make things move so yeah how an adventurer gets treated can vary a lot on circumstances so as some more detailed examples of ways that that could be used in game is just the idea of if an adventurer were to just talk about their family then that creates an obvious hook that a dm can use to torment the character which is again why so many player characters do make the choice to be orphans to try to stop dms from doing that because unfortunately an argument could certainly be made that dms have an over-reliance on doing bad things to characters families to kind of push them a little more in that direction of stop killing my children you bastard i do have to say that there is actually this trope in media that a lot of people in especially fantasy settings tend to be orphans or some sort or another and partially in traditional books and such it's due to the fact that having an orphan allows you to basically do a lot of things like um have a lot of the world explained directly to them and have it be like oh yeah that makes sense because they were an orphan hence what they didn't know a lot of stuff but it's this kind of interesting idea prevalent in a lot of fantasy media where the main character tends to be an orphan like a lot of books you can pick them up harry potter he's a fucking mm -hmm. orphan hey look 
Um, uh, actually, quick tangent on Harry Potter because it's relevant to this. Another reason sure. for the orphan angle is just the fact that if a person had living parents and got into the kind of, let's be polite and call it shenanigans that Harry Potter got up to, they would have withdrawn him from Hogwarts at the end of first year, if that, like, if not sooner. So part and, of the angle for orphan adventurers is just the idea that they are not beholden to responsible parents trying to limit their actions or what is happening around them. And that definitely is the case. There's a whole bunch of examples, for example, like the uh, Rift, the Rift War saga, <laughs> Name, namesake. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of fantasy books that follow the same tropes where there's this young boy, he's an orphan, he gains magical power, so on and so forth, becomes this huge world shaker so on and so forth and yeah indeed but anyway we tangented a lot away from where we were originally going which is just how are adventures treated in your world so what i was trying to just give more examples of and will now is just that in DD, there are a lot of strange things that happen around adventurers a lot of the time so if you have a group of adventurers show up to some small village just their next just stop on the road then there's a lot of different ways that a dm can choose to treat them but for the most part it's usually just you know friendly or gruff bartender and that's you know about it for roadside kind of travel but something that i honestly am surprised at how rarely i see is just the other way to do things which would be you know we don't like your types around here and just have the whole not welcome adventures to have that just be a lifestyle that is actually frowned upon by some people so maybe there was a group of murder hobos who you know went through this area last year and just murdered the previous innkeeper and blacksmith and stole all their stuff now they just are anti-adventurer because in theory even in a DD world even though there are the infinite numbers of evil things out there any single spot in theory should not be constantly bes- sieged or else how would they have even survived to live there in the first place without having some adventure just living there dealing with it all so all of these little villages that are not super well protected in theory should not be under constant attack and that creates some interesting potential stories for the dm to think about okay how often do these places actually have trouble if they just have an issue every you know 10 years or so when you know the wolf population gets a little high and they get some trouble or if you know some goblins moved in five years ago but are more a nuisance than anything particularly dangerous, there can be the kind of adventure, the problem that adventurers deal with, but not yet to the point of needing an adventurer. So if you have an area that doesn't need adventurers, then it is worth thinking about of, would they welcome adventurers at all? And especially adventurers who are assholes, which is a lot of them. Anyway, so another interesting aspect. So we talked earlier about how some adventurers want to adventure in order to gain fame. So this is something that's talked about in the Dungeon Master's Guide, I think, and the Player's Handbook too, come to think of it, rather extensively, where they talk about a character's renown as they go up in tiers of power. 
So oddly enough, this is another angle that a lot of DMs don't necessarily poke at enough, which is just the fact that as adventurers grow in power, then the tales of their deeds are also to spread across the land. And that as you get past those milestone levels of getting into, you know, from tier one all the way up to tier four adventurers, that they're, they become known in the world. So if you have a D&D game of low-level characters, then there would be tales of previous or current adventures in the world. So like the quote-unquote common knowledge of the world is surprisingly rarely actually dealt with in D&D because that is an outside-in world-building angle that most DMs, even those who are outside-in, rarely bothered to do, which is to just have known these are the famous known adventures in the world. These are the ones who are, you know, journeying now through the region to let the player characters know these are, you know, your potential mentors that might be out there to potentially give you some extra training of some kind. These are your peers that are out there that might become rivals should you decide to go that angle. Or these are the ones who are now up and coming. So you might, you know, try to get them to travel with you to you know have you teach them or to just you know have a squire to your knight or there's so many angles that just having known more adventurers being out and about can give those opportunities to players and dungeon masters and yet i almost never see that done i don't know that in any game i have ever played in that there's actually been mention of any other adventurer i have seen a handful of retired adventurers but i don't ever hear about others that are currently active and again that is another angle that dms can use to build their world and to give all kinds of options to just have more fun stories oh actually you're right uh, nathan just mentioned in the chat i did forget one example uh there's a another D dungeons and dragons podcast called dungeons and randomness uh, dungeons and randomness i need to make sure i say that correctly that actually does do this and does it incredibly well they introduce a rival group of adventurers who strongly push one of the active groups on the show into pushing themselves pushing forward and it creates a lot of great story moments for a lot of characters on that show and yeah the dungeon master of that game jason massey does a fantastic job of using the rivalry to push his players and it's a great story beat so thank you for reminding me of that nathan all right so before we wrap up there's just one last thing i want to go through which is a homebrew thing that actually kind of touches on something nathan mentioned earlier so because of the fact that it is a game that we're all playing together then DD does focus on the player characters and that there is the perception of weird shit happens around adventurers so there's actually a phrase that i actually came across in fan fiction oddly enough years and years ago that just stuck in my mind unfortunately i don't remember what what story it came from but the phrase is chaos nexus and it was used to describe a person that had weird shit happen around them and that very much just stuck in my brain in relation to D D. 
And there is a thing that a dungeon master could choose to introduce to their story, which is to have the idea of certain people being chaos nexuses. Xi? I don't know the plural. Anyway, to have their actually have that be a more literal thing in game. So that could actually be reason in game for the player characters to be the relatively unique individuals that they are if adventuring is a less common thing or it could just be a big picture thing that there are many such people who have this you know chaotic alignment for lack of a better phrase so to have there actually be individuals who are just who just have chaotic events happen around them so to have there be a literal mechanical reason in game of oh weird shit happens around this type of person or these individual people and that that could actually be that in-game reason for why adventurers exist or just the player characters being a little more unique if that is a rare phenomenon i think that definitely could be incredibly interesting especially in a world where not all adventurers are chaos nexuses and it would really really be interesting because um, you would have these people who would just be, you know, pretty much mercenaries who are just, you know, adventurous technically. But in that sense where they go out, they do things, nothing's too remarkable. Sometimes they part, sometimes they get things done, sometimes they fail, sometimes people die. But then you have adventurers where they go to like some in- ancient temple and then the next thing you know, the world's fucking dying. <laughs> Or even at low levels, you could just have it be, you know, there's, you know, merchant caravans that go back and forth between these two cities every week. But, you know, there are some individuals that, you know, weird shit happens around. So these are the people that like, oh, fuck, we don't want you around. Fuck off. Like if it became known that a person was a chaos nexus, that could have major repercussions on how people react to them. But that could also mean, though, that such people would be the individuals who would probably grow fastest in power because the world itself is throwing stuff at them. So this could be why player characters can advance from level one all the way to 20 relatively quickly. But it could, you know, you could actually have mechanics that other people in the world just don't have as much shit happen to them. So they just stagnate and just don't level up past a certain point. And that maybe it's only these rare individuals who are chaos nexuses that have the potential to reach that pinnacle of power. And then every NPC in the world may just have some upper limit on their own potential. So in summary, there are a myriad of angles on why someone might choose to become an adventurer. But Dungeon Masters need to think more about what that means for their world. How many adventurers are there and how does the world react to the profession? Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tier stars low as a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where we will chat the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast. And now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs and rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.